Testing, testing. One, two, three. We're on the air. This is Thesis. I am your host, Jay Marie. Good morning. Well, it is morning where I'm at, but good whatever, wherever you are. Feeling good today. Hitting the road. You know how we do it here sometimes. So we want to get to a few things. Um, As far as Corona, looks like numbers are starting to come down because data is coming in. So it's changing these models that they've been using. This whole idea that we could, at first it was like something like 2 million people could die. And then they revised it to 1 million. Then they revised it to 100,000. Now, as far as the newest models are showing, maybe somewhere from from 40 to 60,000 people might die. So the numbers keep coming down as more data comes in. So <clears throat> I think that says uh, we're in good shape. Maybe the it was overblown. The the, re, um, the reaction was overblown, a little over-exaggerated maybe. Hopefully that's the case. Um, not diminishing the people who did get sick, you know, and and pass away, anything like that. But, you know, we, we're looking at the bigger, at the bigger scope of things. And it looks like, um, it looks like we might be getting back to work soon. That's good. That's good news. Man, I'm sure people are going stir crazy right about now. (laughs) Other than that, uh, you know, Washington, what do they do? They think they can spend money and fix problems, but it never really does fix anything because they always do what they do in Washington. They wash the money through and it's kind of like a laundry, laundering, like a money laundering operation almost even, it seems like. Because a lot of people are going to get a lot of money. And we have to pay for it, so. All right, enough of Corona. We're good. We'll be back, everybody. The, our our, our um, economy will be back on the, on the road soon, very quickly. Shortly, I think. In a couple of weeks, we should be good. I had a couple ideas that I wanted to think about a little bit, and we're going to think through them together. Um, it's interesting, this corona thing that's happening, because it's starting to point out a lot of... Um, there's this way of thinking uh, that we hear a lot. Uh, you might call it political. We're not going to get partisan or political. We're, I mean... Here's the problem. When we talk politic, um, it doesn't always necessarily have to mean Republican or Democrat, Trump or Obama. It doesn't have to mean that because politic, the way we know it in the modern terms, you know, it is what happens in our government. We call that politics. But then there's also like the, the polity. Uh, the body of politic, you know, the people out here, community, society, that has a part that has to do with politic also. The polity, the many, the people, you know, when you look at the original meaning and how they used it in Greek and in Athens and Greece. And as a matter of fact, quick tip, a quick note, um, when, when you read Aristotle and he's talking about politics... It seems to me, that at least this is what I gather from what I, from what I could tell, 
when when uh, Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle talk about politics, it almost seems like they don't. The way we understand politics today, the word politics and what it describes, they saw politics as a whole different thing. There's there's some similarities, but to them, politics was more of ethical behavior <clears throat> among the people. So Aristotle got his got his book Ethics, and in Ethics, it's you know it's it's not a anything like a religious book, but the whole book is wisdom, uh, is is talking um, about ethics on behavior and personal behavior. Uh, it make it covers many different areas of of ethics, and as you read through. Uh, and you see how they how they talk about the word politics, how he talks about the word politics. It's 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 even more something like closer to what we see as religion today. You know, religion it gives you rules on how to behave and and uh, um, um, structures of, of of behavior within families and groups and stuff like that. It's similar to that Aristotle ethics. Okay. <clears throat> so politics, it, if you dig deep into the original meaning, it's more like what we understand as religion. But here and now we talk about politics, we think Washington, D.C. Okay. But at the same time, there's ideas that, that let's say, certain political leanings uh, have. And what, what we want to look at is some of those ideas. Like, for instance, um, I'm going to use this terminology because just to kind of understand who and uh, like uh, what, um, what political group or what type of political group uh, looks at these ideas or whatnot, okay? So, like, people from the left... Um, there's this there's this constant um, idea about the inner cities or major city groups uh, living on the um, near the rail line rail systems uh, every you know cities that want subways and rail systems and and then the way the the, the designers and the planners the city planners and those types of people they'll design apartment complexes high rises along the, the the route of these trains and light rails and 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 from from the left side of the spectrum <clears throat> you see that there's this affinity to have people in in, in mass like in inner city in the in the cities in in big groups uh, and then we need uh, public transportation. You know, there's one thing that, that you always hear about is public transportation, light rail systems, and um, kind of, uh, for some reason, this, this, this confinement, not confinement, um, these big groupings of people in the inner city I don't know. Uh, we're working through it. Remember, we're working through it. 
but there is something like that 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 seems to be talked about a lot. Um, another thing. Uh, okay, so let's break that down. First of all, we're talking about subways, uh, apartment complexes, inner city, a lot of people, those type of things. Um, now, when we think of Corona, right, we think, oh, no, we need to stay space space away from each other you know now we now the concern is tight groups in in enclosed areas in tra- in public transportation on trains and light rails you know in apartment buildings you know so 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 i don't know so see What I'm doing is just exploring the idea because I'm not even I'm not even saying is it right or wrong. I'm just saying, okay, well now, how will these ideas change? Let's say, if if from now on going forward we gotta watch our closeness and public distancing and all these things, right? Because it seems gonna like it's gonna be a, a new norm. It it almost seems like right. So the idea of having people. In very com- in very tight areas, apartment buildings, buses, subways, those type of things. You know, like okay, so maybe it's a new age or a new paradigm or something that's happening. You know, I have I haven't thought much of, of it as far as where like where I stand on it or anything, it's like, okay, we'll just examine it because I, I can't think of, of, um, of, of an answer of like, is it, is it right or is it wrong? You know? Okay. So, but that's interesting because so now the new norm is going to be distance and stuff. So like, how is that going to affect the way people ride public transportation or, or those type of things? Right. Uh, another thing is, so from the left side of the political spectrum in America, we like to hear. And no, you know what? And actually, maybe even more on a global, on a globally, uh, on a global scale, because you hear this, this, you know, there seems to be an idea up there, out there about like a borderless world. We're all human. We're all from Earth. And this concept of borders, open borders, you know, borderless world. Those type of things, you know, especially here in America, there's big political battles going on about, let's say, the southern border. Should it be secured? Should it not be secured? You know, those type of things. Okay, now let's look at Corona. Should now should we probably protect our borders a little bit, a little bit more, considering that <clears throat> someone can can sneak in and have a, you know, a quote unquote deadly virus that can get out of hand. I mean. Like, is that, you know, is that a, is that a logic, a logical idea to get to, a logical concept to get to? It's like, okay, well, maybe now we want to secure our borders, right? I mean, it seems pretty logical, reasonable, right? So I wonder, I wonder how much this is going to teach us about so many different things, not just about the media or the president or the doctor, this one, doctor, that one, like, 
that's TV stuff. You know, what we see on the TV, I mean, you might as well think of it as watching a soap opera or binging on a Netflix show or something because it's all a presentation. <clears throat> it's all a presentation in one way or another. You know, one side ties one side tries to tell the the story a certain way, the other side wants to tell the story another way, and we are left in the middle trying to figure out what's going on. So I personally don't pay too much attention to uh, cable news or anything like that. I have sources where I go to get my information, uh, but it is not cable news. Uh, we actually don't have, at my place, we don't have um, CNN, Fox News, we don't have none of that. So, so. I have to get my uh, information from other sources. And that's cool. So these political ideas, uh, let me see. The border, what else? Um, The inner cities, the buses, the trains. Okay, we covered that. Oh, another thing. So one thing that I noticed years you know i i personally would like to have a piece of land outside of the city but close enough to still be near the city and and that's a good thing like to be out in the country but you're just you know an hour away from let's say dallas great that'll be great i think that's something that a lot of people like i know some time back um there seemed to have been some 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 political uh, uh, in uh, some political fighting about like suburbs. Can't remember too well. Let's see if I can kind of think it out while we're talking through it. But something about the suburbs. Oh yeah, so we have this i concept or idea that people talk about that happens in the inner city. White flights. Okay. Well, first of all, that sounds pretty racist, but it's okay. We're gonna gonna look at it literally and see see what it's trying to tell us so white flight apparently is when you know i mean this stuff is absurd but this is what it is we all know what it is but we're gonna go through it white flight when the neighborhoods started you know the inner city started getting darker you know where blacks and latino people start moving into a neighborhood White flight suggests that the white people left the neighborhood to to safer areas. <laughs> uh, this is going to be good, right? So you should be upset, right? I mean, look at these racist people. Black people move in, Mexicans move in, and they leave, right? How racist, though. All right. Okay. Racism. White flight. Uh, they probably move out to the suburbs and whatnot, escaping the inner city, right? Now, is that racist? Let's see. I would leave the inner city, and I would leave to uh, the, the outskirts, the, the suburbs. Why? Because the inner city is, there's crime. My neighborhood, there's gunshots every single day. This is not, this is not, this is legit, like, Anybody who's been to my neighborhood knows you the gunshots, you hear gunshots throughout the day, all the time. I don't know what's going on, but 
It's, so the neighborhood can be pretty bad, right? So yeah, I would definitely move out to the suburbs. And I'm Hispanic. <clears throat> so when, when we think of, of white flight, that's implying that people are leaving because of racism and not crime. Now, I love my neighborhood. We've been there forever. I would love to be there forever. But I would leave in a heartbeat. I would leave in a heartbeat if 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 the crime got really, really bad in our neighborhood. If if, if all kinds of craziness started happening, oh yeah, we're leaving. But the good thing is it's not that bad. Now we hear gunshots, we don't know where they come from and they're all over the place, but okay, there's not people being killed. You know, my neighborhood's it's decent, even though it sounds like the wild, wild west. It's a decent neighborhood, you know, so we're good. But to think that somebody would leave simply because, oh, no, now I got black neighbors or Mexican neighbors. That's 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 so um, low resolution. You know, thinking of the most simplest. Uh, it's just when people think that way and talk that way. It really shuts me off to what they have to say. Unless they seem to be willing to have a conversation about it, then, okay, then, then, then you know, we can work through it. But when I hear those type of things, you know, so white people, you know, quote unquote, sorry, move into the suburbs because they're scared of the Mexicans and the blacks and whatever, white flight. So some, let's say, on the lean left ideology don't like the suburbs. Why? Because that person escaped their master plan of having cities with people living close together on rail lines and public um, transit systems. So there seems to be a, a disgust a disgust from from certain people on the left to to quote unquote the people that live in the suburbs, right? Because you would think like, what's wrong with that? But you know, on an ide- on an ideal logical spectrum, there is a beef there. The people living leaving the inner city, their beef is crime. They're trying to get away from the crime. And also, I can see people leaving leaving Dallas because of our leadership in Dallas. Our police chief is garbage. City manager is garbage. Our mayor is garbage. Um, county judge, garbage. They're all garbage. They're all a bunch of hacks, political hacks. And they've tried to pull all kinds of craziness on us. And people never learn, but what? They still vote them in, so that's why Dallas leadership is what it is. But, oh well. But I still love my city, though. I love my people, I love my city. So we're here, we're here to stay. Because maybe we can make a change from within, you know? Uh, so, we're still here. So there does seem to be a little beef between, not a beef, it's mostly the beef comes from the ideologue who doesn't want people to escape. <laughs> and see, and I use these words and it's they're not precise, but metaphorically they are they are descriptive. 
because as if you break away from the city, you live in a smaller in a smaller county, a smaller town. Those rules and that leadership is going to be different than what you used to here in the inner city. You know, you're going to have probably more conservative leadership in smaller towns and rural areas and different counties, smaller counties compared to the bigger counties. You are going to have different leadership. And that's good. Hey, escape, right? Escape the master planners. That's what we need to do sometimes is to break away, but we don't have to leave. We can break away um, mentally, ideologically. If, if these ideas don't conform to to what 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 we like, uh, what we think, then we can break away, and we should break away. So let me see, Corona, people leave the city, white flight is fake, it's not about racism, it's about crime, oh, how about crime? Okay, never mind Corona right now, but how about crime? So in Dallas, we've had a problem with the murder rate, and, and before this whole Corona thing, constantly you would hear... Uh, the mayor and the chief of police. We need to do something. We need to do something about crime in Dallas. So they put their their heads together and try to make a plan on how to reduce crime. You know, crime is committed by individuals for many different reasons. You know, we can, I don't know, drugs, right? Some stuff is probably drugs, some probably monies. Some people are just bad people that like to steal and, and rob people and hurt people. Some stuff is maybe gang related. All kinds of, uh, of things that, that can, can be a reason for somebody to kill somebody because the murder rate was going up. So, so the mayor, the chief, and these other city leaders need come, want to come up with a plan. How do we reduce this? Well, let me tell you what. Some let me tell you something, Mr. Mayor, Mrs. Police Chief, and all of you other hacks. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you can decree from City Hall. There is no ordinance that you could put in place that will stop crime. That were lower crime. You know why? Because this is more of a societal problem. This problem with crime, it's it's more involved in, in society, in the people, in the families, in the way they're growing up. Individual people, individual people behaving badly. And what could you possibly do from City Hall? up some penalties okay that's not gonna that's never stopped anybody you think by making a new law it'll it'll reduce crime well let's see selling drugs is illegal already and people still do it murder is illegal and people still do it breaking and enterings all of these things 
there's laws already on the books for that. What new law can you come up with, uh, Mr. Mayor, Mrs. Police Chief, to reduce crime? Like how conceited of you to think that you can possibly have some answer. The answer comes from us. Y'all have heard me say this before, but this is why we talk about it. Because the reason why there is high crime in certain areas is because individuals in that area have lost control of, of themselves. And they need to take control of themselves. They need to behave better. They need to improve their lives. They need to change their ways. It's an individual thing. Now, there's all kinds of reasons that people are in different situations that we're breaking it down. It comes down to the individual to want to change. That's why we have crime in the city. And no task force, no neighborhood policing, none of that will change it. What's going to change it is at home. You as a parent, you as an individual, you as a grandparent, taking control of the family, making sure our kids are growing up and being taught respect at home, respect for their mothers, respect for their fathers. These ideals is what's gonna help them succeed in life. These ideals are what helps you succeed in life. You know, the chief uh, police thinks that if cops were just more, more vocal and more open and play basketball in their neighborhood, you know, they have this idea that doesn't really change because the concept of the relationship between the police and the people like, like if it's a rough, uh, if it's a rough relationship, um, I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. It's all anecdotal, you know, and I just don't buy it. And, and to think that just because you can have a little commission on neighborhood policing and whatever that those things can make things better. No, that's not going to make things better because making things better start at home. That's where they start. But you know, we can't say that. Why? Because then, then we'll be called racist. You know what? There's a higher percentage. So we're always talking about skin color. We're gonna, we're gonna go there for a second. So there's a higher percentage of black people in prison. There's a higher percentage of Mexican people in prison or Latin people. You know, and then the excuse comes out as to, well, the, the laws and the rules are, are, are set up for, for more minorities to go to jail. You know the reason why there's a lot of Hispanics in prison? Because we do a lot of illegal stuff. We do a lot of illegal sh Yeah, that's why. Because we don't know how to behave. Because we like to be in gangs and we like to sell drugs and we like to shoot guns. That's why there's a lot of 
Latinos in prison. And we can do this with the blacks. Same thing. I live in the inner city. I've lived in the inner city all my life. I've been in gangs. I know how it is out here. We gotta be honest with ourselves. All this political correctness, where, where if you point something out uh, of a of a specific uh, group of people, how interesting! Now, let's say I can see someone getting upset with what I just said, right? Okay, and except, okay, I can I can see it because I I see I know the political I know the political game that's played. Okay. And how come people don't get upset when, when white Christian males are, for instance, pointed, uh, singled out? Nobody seems to get upset of that. Is that okay? So are you telling me it's okay to talk about this one particular type of, of people, white men, and it's not okay to talk about another particular type of people, let's say black men? or Latino men. We got to get away from that. We got to get away from that. Because if racism is bad, if racism is a bad thing, then we shouldn't be racist to anyone, even white people. Like, you can be racist to white people, and it's not okay. It is not okay. either, you know, we're going to believe in this in this standard of no racism. Okay, let's do it. But don't come at me and don't be talking about white people like it's okay to, to, to talk to talk them in a racial manner. You know, so, so, you know what I'm saying? So these, these ideas that, that are out there, like in the political sphere, some of them are just like, ah, it just don't make sense. Uh, and when you look at them, it's just like, my goodness, you know, there's just so much conflicting there, the border, inner cities, white flight, it's okay to talk about white people. I can't even say that, yeah, Latinos are, are more prone to criminal behavior. Because it's true. I mean, I, I know. I know how we behave. I know it. And we want to be truthful around here. Right? Yeah. What else? Let's see if I can think of any other thing that's something like that. Now, we did start on Corona. And uh, we ended up here where we are, but it's okay. It's Friday. It's Friday, and we are. We're having a good time. Uh, any other ideas? Let's think for a second. Well, that stuff gets pretty boring pretty quick. Let's jump into some Greek mythology real quick before I run out of time. Yeah, we're just rambling today, but it's okay, it's Friday. <laughs> 
and things are looking up, so we're happy out here. A couple of things about this concept with the gods of, of uh, Egypt, right? The Greek gods, the Roman gods, there was, a, there was a plurality of gods. And each god had a um, specific area, let's say, that they tended to. You know, the goddess of fertility, the god of war, and those type of things. Um, and, and something interesting about that is when you look at their different pantheons, whether the Greek pantheon, the Egyptian, Romans, and uh, even some similarities in the Hindu um, god pantheon, there's a lot of similarities between them, which kind of makes me think whatever this idea was, of, 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 let's say, the pantheons, right? Uh, the family of gods that run, that rule over creation. It seems to be that an idea that came from, from way back, but that was adapted in different cultures. Because the way I see it is that the gods that the Romans worshipped, for instance, were the gods that the Greeks worshipped. But the names changed a little bit, of course, because of the language and the time. But their representations are very similar. And then as we go further back, so we have Greece. Um, as we go further back, let's say, into the Egyptian, Egyptian dynasties, they had a pantheon too. And there's similarities between those gods and the Greek gods. So, so there seems to be like this group of gods that we know are the same ones across time. But their names and their features change and stuff like that. Now, when I think about it on an individual level, like, okay, this god is the god of war. What does that mean? It seems to be like this thing that we called that we call war has it's like a, its own uh, let's see let's try to use our imagination. It's its own entity uh, for a lack of a better word. I don't know if that's the right word uh, but let's work through it. It's its own force to be reckoned with, right? War is something, it's a thing that happens. And I think by, rep, by, by, by having a god of war, for instance, it's, it's making war and everything that has to do with war fall under a, the control of a, of a specific, so it's like under the control of a specific god, right? But in a abstract uh, representation, I think what is what they were trying to do is represent this this force that's not quite understood, and they and and they deem it a power like a god, you know. So each different culture had their god of war, their god of the sea, you know, and the and those type of things.
So let's look at the sea, the ocean, right? It's its own force. It's its own entity. Abstractly, before you knew science, before we know whatever, you see the power that the ocean holds. And, and so that power, that force is to be reckoned with. It is a god. And this god, we'll, we'll name him whoever. Um, who is it? <laughs> Anyhow, you understand. They give a name to, to, to represent this force that exists on its own. The ocean and everything that comes with it. The storms, right? The sea creatures and all of that. Okay. War. The ocean. And then most of the time, you had the sun. And the sun, God, was always the father God in some ways. Like, the sun created all the other gods. So the... the when you look at the pantheon and when you think the father god, like Jupiter, he was the god, the father of all the other gods. So in an abstract form, that idea is already telling you about monotheism. Like that there is one force that controls all the forces. So, see, you can separate the ocean, sure. You can separate war, okay. Fertility, fine. But see, the concept of a father god, Jupiter, Zeus, in an abstract form is telling us, well, there's a force that already rules over all these other forces. Interesting, 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 interesting. Because... Uh, because uh, monotheism is, 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 is a modern concept. Now, uh, Plato, I'm sorry, Socrates, um, he, he digged around on that a little bit. He was trying to figure out whether, whether there was many gods or one god. That was, his, one, that was one of his battles and journeys in life that he was trying to figure out for himself. But he came to, to a realization that there was probably one God that controls everything. So when we look at forces of nature, when we look at it all together, but in an abstract form, you can see these these forces uh, in the ocean. Uh, how we do war and, and battles. Um, the weather, for instance, also, right? The weather. All these things um, um, I talked about before, like natural law, right? Things that happen naturally around us. Natural law, um, Mother Nature, right? We'll say Mother Nature so we can understand it. Mother Nature is part of that force that rules over all creation. It's just that representation is interesting because throughout time we've had different representations of these of these forces, and sometimes they take a a uh, shape of a person. Um, most times, well, actually, they all, as far as we can tell, I mean, the Egyptians had their gods, right, 
and their gods were represented were represented in human forms. Same with the Greeks and the Romans. So when you break it down, you get to you you can see a little bit like why these societies thought the way they did, or or rep, or made representations the way they did because. Um, they were still advancing on their belief systems and everything, and 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 I think that's a natural natural evolutionary thing that happens to where you group things up first in groups. You know, the god of war, the god of fertility. But as as society advances, as the mind advances, then it seems to have come to a realization that one force is responsible for all of it, not all these separate forces. Well. We can separate them in our eye to understand it, let's say, in a scientific in a scientific way. But overall, they all working together, um, all together at once, and it's all being controlled by whatever that force is that controls everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that force that that force which rules and 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 is sovereign over all aspects of creation from from the atom to to the stars in in the sky you know all together so that's where these concepts of of the many different gods and of the one father god that rules over them that's where these ideas come from yeah that's interesting we're going to have to dig in a little bit on that uh, soon because those those ideas are really interesting. And to be able to have the list in front of you, see, I don't have the list, but to be able to look at the list in front of you and compare the gods, uh, the Greek gods to the Roman gods, you'll see that they are similar or maybe even speaking of the same representation. But since we're dealing with... with, with uh, a change of, of time, you know, from the Greeks to the Romans, we're talking, you know, I mean, it could have been anywhere from 500 to close to a thousand years, maybe, you know, telling, right? The diff, the, chi- the changes, but the similarities in what they, what they both worship is, is interesting. It's really interesting. And it's similar across the board when you dig into the gods of of Egypt. And as a matter of fact, um, some of the stories and some of the characters in the Bible, like Joseph, um, that he went to Egypt and he became like the Pharaoh's right-hand man. You know, people are trying to find evidence to try to see if this stuff really happened or not. Uh, and I was digging a little bit as far as names. And so there is a character in, in Egyptian mythology called Imhotep. So see, here's the problem is we call it mythology, but more and more it seems to be that it's actually something real because Imhotep, from what, from what scholars have been able to tell, is this guy that we call Joseph in the Bible. The guy who, who helped the pharaoh with um, with the famine and all of that. It's this guy, Imhotep. Interesting. 
we need to dig in a little bit on that. That'll be a very interesting conversation there. Um, I think I want to wrap. Um, I want to talk to you guys just a little bit about um, how appreciative, how happy I am, how thankful I am that y'all are listening, that y'all are here. We are, are growing. Little by little, our numbers are there. And they're growing, and I want to thank you for that. Um, that tells me that you are enjoying what we're doing here. And we're working on bringing you more of it. And I am really grateful for you. Uh, we had a spike in the numbers yesterday. And it surprised me when I saw my numbers this morning. So <laughs> thank you so much. Like, really from the bottom of my heart. We're going to keep working on it. We're still going to bring you more content, more material. We got a few surprises that we're working on. I really enjoy, and it seems like y'all really enjoy the free-for-all, so we're going to do that, hopefully. Uh, once a week, once every other week, have a good conversation with good friends, and I'm looking to add more people to it. I am also working on a roundtable um, with some other folks, uh, some educators. I'm working on uh, a political show uh, with the political insider, friend of the shows. Uh, and we're just going to bring so much content. And at the same time, while we're working through all these different ideas, uh, we're just going to keep at it. We're going to keep working on the thesis as we go along. These things will jump out every once in a while. Um, because that is the end. Um, that is the goal of this show, is to explore ideas. And in the end, to also work on the thesis. So, you know, as we go along, we're going to work on the thesis little by little. But at the same time, we're going to have fun. We're going to do fun stuff together. We're going to learn. We're going to stay educated. We're going to get strong. You know, you know what it is. <laughs> got to say it. But we're going to be strong mentally, physically, and spiritually. Because that's who we are. That's what we are. I want to thank you guys for sticking around. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Consider giving us a four-star rating and tell your friends. Share. Share. Thanks, guys. Uh, check your feed often to see uh, if there's new material. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Stay safe out there. Educate yourself. Be strong. And we will see you soon. This has been Thesis. Everything is everything with your host, Jay Marie.